I want us to pray today for joy. I know we prayed about this yesterday, but it's still in my heart to pray today. I talked to so many of you. And life is not as easy as it used to be. I was talking to a young couple that just recently got married. And it was a, a Zoom a Zoom talk with a husband and wife. And they were so happy and they were giggling and they were laughing together. And you know what? That would be that would be my heart's cry for every one of you. Some of you, this has been a really, really hard year. But God wants to fill your hearts with joy. He wants to turn your mourning into joyful dancing. Some of you ladies, you've lost your husbands. Some of you husbands, you've lost your wife. Some of you young people, you've lost your parents. Some of you parents, you've lost young people this year. Some of you have lost jobs. Some of you have lost a lot more. God turns our mourning into joyful dancing. You see, mourning takes all the strength out of you. You sit down and cry for a while. You don't have any strength left. Mourning just, just sucks all the strength out of you. Joy gives you strength. Now, beloved, sometimes you just have to make a decision for joy. This is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice. Now, some of you, forgive me, you just need to get up right now, put on some happy music, Christian happy music, put on some sanatch, and just dance before the Lord for a while. Just say, Lord, I choose to rejoice. I choose to rejoice. Let him turn your mourning into joyful dancing. Father, sometimes we can't fix our hearts. We come in Jesus' name, Lord. And you know our hearts. Sometimes we can't fix them. We can't fix our souls. We can't fix our attitudes. But we come to you in the beautiful name of Jesus. Fix us, Lord. Take all the sadness and take all the grief and take all the pressure off of these souls of your people and turn their mourning into dancing. Lift their heads, Father. Let joy begin to explode within their souls and push all the sides of this pressure off. Oh, Lord, let joy throb and swell in their souls like your word says. Just begin to swell their hearts with joy, Lord, and push all that other stuff out. I pray for my sisters, Lord, that have lost their husbands. Oh, Lord, it's been a rough year for that. It's hard, Lord, to go through this alone. Father, in the name of Jesus, turn their mourning into joyful dancing. I pray for my brothers, Lord, that have lost their wives this year. They're walking through this COVID thing alone. Turn their mourning into dancing. I pray for those that have struggled, Lord, with their businesses this year. Turn their mourning into dancing. Father, just lift them and let that joy fill and throb and swell within them. In Jesus' name, amen. 
All right, let's get into the word today. Numbers chapter 3, we pick up with verse 1. These are the generations of Aaron and Moses at the time when the Lord spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai. These are the names of the sons of Aaron, Nadab the firstborn, Abihu, Eliezer, and Itmar. These are the names of the sons of Aaron, the appointed priests whom he ordained to serve as priests. Now, Nadab and Abihu died before the Lord when they offered unauthorized fire before the Lord in the wilderness of Sinai. And they had no children. So Eliezer and Itmar served as priests in the lifetime of Aaron, their father. So notice, this was a family of ministry. Now, one of the things you're going to see oftentimes in life is spiritual generations. Anointings that rest on families. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Bring the tribe of Levi near and set them before Aaron the priest that he may minister to him. He said, all right, the Levites, they're there to help serve Aaron. They shall keep guard over him and over the whole congregation before the tent of meeting as they minister at the tabernacle. Okay, so there's keeping guard over them, keeping guard over the whole congregation. Now, before you think this is a strange thought, if you go with us to Israel, one of the things you find about the Orthodox Jews, they, they refuse to serve in the military. And really, most of the men refuse to work. And people get really angry at them in Israel. But there's a concept that they have that they protect Israel by their prayer. Now, I'm not agreeing with it, but I want you to understand where it comes from. Now, the Orthodox Jews are not the tribe of Levi, but... There's an understanding here that there's a spiritual protection that takes place. And this was the job of the tribe of Levi. They shall keep guard over Aaron and over the whole congregation before the tent of meeting. There's a a spiritual guardianship here. Verse 8, and they shall guard. Now, here's that same word guard again. And they shall guard all the furnishings of the tent of meeting. And they shall keep guard over all the people of Israel as they minister at the tabernacle. There's a spiritual protection that takes place by by ministry. And you should give the Levites to Aaron and to his sons. They are wholly given to him from among all the people of Israel. So they're given to Aaron and his sons. They're wholly given to him. They're to help him lead the people spiritually. This, This is their duty. This is their responsibility. And you shall appoint Aaron and his sons, and they shall guard their priesthood. But if any outsider comes near, he shall be put to death. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Behold, I have taken the Levites from among all the people of Israel, instead of every firstborn who opens the womb among the people of Israel. The Levites shall be mine. All right, the Levites belong to God. For all the firstborn are mine. On the day that I struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, I consecrated for my own all the firstborn in Israel, both man and beast, they shall be mine. I am the Lord. And the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai, saying, List the sons of Levi by fathers' houses, by clans, by every male, from a month old upward you shall list him. Notice, from a month old. Now, we're not dealing with 20 years old now. So Moses listed them according to the word of the Lord as he was commanded. 
And these are the sons of Levi by their names, Gershon and Kohath and Merari. These are the names of the sons of Gershon by their clans, Libni and Shemai. And the sons of Kohath by their clans, Amron, Izhar, Hebron, and Yazeel. And of the sons of Merari by their clans, Malhi, Mushi, these are the clans of Levites by their father's house. The, to Gershon belonged the clan of the Libanites and the clan of the Shemanites. These were the clans of the Gershonites. Their listing according to the number of the males from one month old upward was 7,500. The clans of the Gershonites were to camp behind the tabernacle on the west. With Elishaph, the son of Lyel, as the chief of the father's house of the Gershonites. And the guard duty of the sons of Gershon in the tent of meeting involved the tabernacle, the tent with its covering, the screen for the entrance of the tent of meeting, the hangings on the court, the screen for the door of the court around the tabernacle, the altar and its cords, all the service connected with these. All right, so there are duties. There are assignments for each clan. Now, one thing I want to just pick up here. You see these people up here called the Kohanites? Let me bring it up again. Kohat. Today we use the name Kohan, and you'll find a Jewish name Kohan. These are direct descendants of the Levites. Ah. And they're given special honor in Israel to this day. To Kohath belonged the clan of the Amramites, and the clan of the Ezerites, and the clan of the Hebronites, and the clan of the Uzalites. These are the clans of the Kohathites. According to the number of all the males from one month old upward, they were 8,600 keeping guard over the sanctuary. The clans of the son of Kohath were to camp on the south side of the tabernacle, with Elsphazan, the son of Uzal, as chief of the father's house of the clans of the Kohathites. Their guard duty involved the ark, the table, the lampstand, the altars, the vessels of the sanctuary with which the priests minister, and the screen, all the service connected with these. Now notice, some are given responsibility for the tabernacle and its cords and things and the doors. Others, the ark, the table, the lampstand, the altars. Each of these groups had specific things that they were assigned to guard. All right? And Eliezer, the son of Aaron the priest, was to be chief over the chiefs of the Levites and to have oversight over those who kept guard over the sanctuary. They had a guard so that no one would steal these things. They were very expensive. They were gold. They were beautiful. To Merari belonged the clan of the Malites and the clan of the Mushites. These are the clans of Merari. Their listing according to the number of all the males from one month old and upward was 6,200. And the chief of the father's house of the clans were Merari and Zerael, the son of Abhael. They were to camp on the north side of the tabernacle. And they were appointed the guard duty of the sons of Merai, involved all the frames of the tabernacle, the bars, the pillars, the bases, and all their accessories, all the service connected with these. So also the pillars around the court and their bases and pegs and cords. All right. So every... Now, now before you stumble at some of this, think of it like this. Asset management. Every asset of the tabernacle had someone assigned to guard it and be responsible for it. This is good asset management. Those who were, and you know what? 
those of you who own companies, this is a good illustration. People are assigned assets that they are held accountable and responsible for. Ah. Those who are to camp before the tabernacle on the east and before the tent of meeting toward sunrise were Moses and Aaron and his sons guarding the sanctuary itself to protect the people of Israel. And any outsider who came near was to be put to death. All those listed among the Levites who Moses and Aaron listed at the commandment of the Lord by clans, all the males from a month old and upward were 22,000. So this is a small tribe. And the Lord said to Moses, List all the firstborn males of the people of Israel from a month old and upward, taking the number of their names. And you shall take the Levites from me, I am the Lord, instead of all the firstborn among the people of Israel and the cattle of the Levites, instead of all the firstborn among the cattle of the people of Israel. So Moses listed all the firstborn among the people of Israel, as the Lord commanded him. And all the firstborn males, according to the number of the males, from a month old upward, were listed as 22,273. Now notice how similar these numbers are. God took the Levites as the firstborn instead of the firstborn. And the Lord spoke to Moses, to the Levites, Take the Levites instead of all the firstborn among the people, and the cattle of the Levites instead of their cattle. The Levites shall be mine. I am the Lord. And as the redemption price for the 273 of the firstborn of the people of Israel, over and above the number of male Levites, you shall take five shekels per head, and you shall take them according to the shekel of the sanctuary, the shekel of 20 garars. Give the money to Aaron and his sons as the redemption price for those who are over. So, all right, the 273 difference, now we see taken care of by an offering. So Moses took the redemption money from those who were over and above those redeemed by the Levites. From the firstborn of all the people of Israel, he took the money, 1,365 shekels by the shekel of the sanctuary. And Moses gave the redemption money to Aaron and his sons according to the word of the Lord as the Lord commanded Moses. <laughs> God is very precise in how he does things. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, Take a census of the sons of Kohath from among the sons of Levi by their clans and their father's houses. From 30 years old up to 50 years old, all who can come on duty to do the work of the tent of meeting so 30 to 50, that's when they actually served to do all the hard work of taking down and setting up and carrying all the work, carrying the load through the wilderness. So from 30 to 50, they were to carry the load. This is the service of the sons of Kohath in the tent of meeting, the most holy things. When the campus is set out, Aaron and his son shall go in, take down the veil, so they go in, take down the veil of the screen, and cover the Ark of the Testimony with it. So they go in and they, they take down that, that the veil that separated between the holy place and the holy of holies, and they cover the Ark of the Testimony. Then they shall put on it a covering of goatskin, and spread on top of that a cloth all that is blue, and shall put in its poles. And over the table of showbread of the presence they shall spread a cloth of blue, and put on it the plates, the dishes for incense, the bowls, the flagons for the drink offering. The regular showbread shall also be on it. And they shall spread over them a cloth of scarlet, and cover the same with a covering of goatskin. And they shall put in its poles. 
and they should take a cloth of blue and cover the lampstand for the light with its lamps, its tongs, its trays, and all the vessels for oil with which it is supplied. And they shall put it with all its utensils in a covering of goatskin, and they shall put it on the carrying frame. And over the golden altar they shall spread a cloth of blue and cover it with a covering of goatskin, and shall put in its poles. And they shall take all the vessels of the service that are used in the sanctuary and put them in a cloth of blue and cover them with a covering of goatskin and put them on the carrying frame. And they shall take away the ashes from the altar and spread a purple cloth over it. And they shall put on it all the utensils of the altar, which are used for the service there, the fire pans, the forks, the shovels, the basins, all the utensils of the altar, and they shall spread on it a covering of goatskin and shall put in its poles. And when Aaron and his sons have finished covering the sanctuary and over all the furnishings of the sanctuary, as the camp sets out, after the sons of Kohath shall come to carry these, that, but they must not touch the holy things, lest they die. These are the things of the tent of meeting that the sons of Kohath are to carry. And Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, shall have charge of the oil for the light, the fragrant incense, the regular grain offering, the anointing oil, with the oversight of the whole tabernacle and all that is in it, of the sanctuary and its vessels. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, Let not the tribe of the clans of the Kohanites be destroyed from among the Levites. But deal with thus with them, that they may live and not die when they come near the most holy things. Aaron and his son shall go in and appoint to them each his task and eat and to his burden. All right, so specific task assigned. But they shall not go in to look on the holy things, even for a moment, lest they die. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take a census of the sons of Gershon, also by their father's house and by their clans. From thirty years old to fifty years old, you shall list them, all who can come to do duty, to do service in the tent of meeting. This is the service of the clans of the Gershonites in serving and bearing burdens. They shall carry the curtains of the tabernacle and the tent of meeting with its covering and the covering of goatskin that is on top of it and the screen for the entrance of the tent of meeting and all the hangings of the court and the screen for the entrance of the gate of the court that is around the tabernacle and the altar and their cords and all the equipment for their service. And they shall do all that needs to be done with regard to them. All the service of the sons of the Gershonites shall be at the command of Aaron and his sons. In all that they are to carry and in all that they have to do. And you shall assign them their charge, all that they are to carry. Again, specific tasks assigned. This is the service of the clans of the sons of the Gershonites in the tent of meeting, and their guard duty is to be under the direction of Itmar, the son of Aaron the priest. As for the sons of Merari, you shall list them by their clans and their fathers' houses, from thirty years old to fifty years old, and you shall list them, everyone who can come on duty to do service of the tent of meeting. And this is what they are charged to carry as the whole of their service in the tent of meeting. The frames with its bars, the pillars and bases, the pillars around the court, their bases, pegs and cords, and all their equipment and all their accessories. And you shall list by name the objects that they are required to carry. Wow. Again, asset management. This is how things don't disappear. Okay. Let me say that again. This is how things don't disappear. Let me say that again. This is how things don't disappear. Proper asset management. This is the service of the clans of the sons of Merari, 
the whole of their service in the tent of meeting under the direction of Hitamar, the son of Aaron the priest. And Moses and Aaron and the chiefs of the congregation listed the sons of the Kohanites by their clans and their fathers' houses, from thirty years old up to fifty years old, everyone who could come on duty for service in the tent of meeting. And those by their clans were two thousand seven fifty. This was the list of the clans of the Kohanites who served in the tent of meeting, whom Moses and Aaron listed according to the commandment of the Lord by Moses. Those listed are the sons of Gershon by their clans and their fathers, from thirty years old up to fifty years old, everyone who could come on duty for the service in the tent of meeting. Those listed by their clans and their fathers' houses were 2,630. This was the list of the clans of the sons of Gershon, all who served in the tent of meeting, whom Moses and Aaron listed according to the commandment of the Lord. Those listed of the clans of the sons of Merari by their clans and by their fathers' houses. From thirty years old up to fifty years old, everyone who could come on duty for service in the tent of meeting. And those listed by clans were thirty-two hundred. So notice, these are pretty evenly distributed to do the work. This was the list of the clans of the sons of Merari, whom Moses and Aaron listed according to the commandment of the Lord by Moses. All those who were listed of the Levites, whom Moses and Aaron and the chief priests of Israel listed by their clans and by their fathers' houses from 30 years old up to 50 years old, everyone who could come to do service of ministry and the service of bearing burdens in the tent of meeting. Now notice, this was not flashy work. This was carrying stuff. And that was considered a spiritual duty because it was for the house of God. Many years ago, we had a young intern, and he refused to carry rice sacks. He refused, and, and you know, I just, I finally I'd had enough of him, and I sat him down one day, and he said, that's not ministry. So I took him back to this passage, and I said, this is what the Levites did. Anything for the house of God, we're not too good to do, period. Those listed were 8,550. According to the commandment of the Lord through Moses, they were listed, each one with his task of serving or carrying. So serving or carrying, both. Thus they were listed by him, as the Lord commanded Moses. Now, again, this is tedious to read through. But you've learned in this passage, you've learned, and let's just notice, you've learned asset management. You've learned delegation of responsibility and duties. You've learned some great truth about, you know, assignments, assigning tasks, assigning job descriptions. You've learned great truth here, just in how God organized things. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship.
New Testament passage today picks up in Mark chapter 12, beginning with verse 35. As Jesus taught in the temple, he said, how can the scribes, remember who the scribes are, they're the guys that wrote, you know, they, they didn't write, but they copied the scripture into new Torah scrolls, into new lambskin scrolls. How can the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David? David himself in the Holy Spirit, so David was speaking by the Holy Spirit, declared, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. He said, David said this. He's, the Lord said to my Lord. David calls him Lord. So how can he be his son? And the great throng heard him gladly. <laughs> People enjoy, enjoy learning. People enjoy it. And in his teaching, he said, beware of the scribes. All right, now here's a beware. Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in marketplaces. So they want to be recognized, okay? They want to put on the backward collars. They, they want to be recognized and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at the feast. He said, you know, beware of these leaders that always want to be noticed. He said, because in truth, they devour widows' houses. There's no generosity in their heart. He said, in their business, in their businesses, they devour widows' houses. He said, and for a pretense, Make long prayers. It's all fakery. They will receive greater condemnation. Now, now these are, this is some big bewares, all right? He says, so beware of these leaders who want to be recognized, who are, let's call it, pushing self forward. These are people that, you know, Paul would talk about, you know, they, they are they're they're out of, they're full of selfish ambition. Okay, they they are, they want to push themselves forward. 
He said, you know, and there's no generosity in their heart, you know. They, they, the widow may own a home, but because she can't make her payments, they, they take her home away. And he said, you know, and for a pretense, they're not really praying. It's just all, it's not prayer that God answers. They're, they're praying to be heard by people. Then he sat down opposite the treasury. Now, th this is one of those big wows. Jesus watched the giving. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. Now, I just want you to be astounded at that, because this is actually during that first Holy Week. He sits down and watches people give their offerings. And beloved, forgive me, when we bring our tithe and bring the seed that we sow, he's watching. He hasn't changed. And he'll see rich people putting in big sums of money. And he sees a poor person bringing just a small little, almost nothing in anybody else's mind. And he called his disciples to him and said, this poor widow put in more than all those who were contributing to the offering box. Wow. In people's minds, she gave nothing. But in God's mind, that was the biggest offering he saw. You see, God does not measure. God does not measure pesos. God measures generosity. And, and this is something you have to get a hold of in your giving. Some of you, when you were young, you gave far larger offerings than you give now that you're rich. I mean, God's been good to you. Okay, God's blessed you, yes. And now you might put in 10,000 pesos. But before, you only put in 10 pesos. But in comparison, you used to give more than you give now. Because, forgive me, the generosity has changed in you. And you have to be careful because people will... They'll go after that generosity thing. And, and this is why the devil always wants to criticize church and wants to criticize preachers. Now, I, I know that there are some bad preachers out there. Please, I, I get that. But most preachers I know are really good people who are just trying to do the work of God. And there are people who will say, oh, the church is wanting all of your money. All that preacher wants is your money, yada, yada, yada. And they say all those things. And that's the devil's trick to stop the generosity of your heart. Now you've got to understand, God's not measuring your pesos. He's measuring the generosity. That is the measure that he uses to give back to you. Generosity, not the number of zeros on the end of the offering envelope. All right, so don't let people, don't let people mess up your generosity. Don't let people put questions in you that, that make you start being stingy in, in your offerings to God because you're giving to God. You're not giving to a man. You're not giving to a church. You're giving to God. I learned this many years ago. I I was someplace, and I, Sister Bev and I, we didn't have a lot in those days. In fact, we had very, very little in those days. And we'd given this, what for us was a big offering. Well, excuse me, we were planning to give a big offering. And this person was sitting there, and they were telling us all this horrible stuff. 
And, you know, it made you just want to hang on to your money. You know, we need that because these people are so nasty and these people are so bad. And we just decided, no, we're going to still give. And we did. And God blessed us for it. Don't let the lies of people and don't let the the bad attitudes of other people who are stingy. Don't let those people, don't let the Judases of life. Ah, don't let the Judases of life destroy your heart of generosity. Never allow that. God's not looking at the pesos. For they contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Now, I would have loved to have seen the harvest that day. I would have loved, when we get to heaven, that is one of the questions I want to ask this woman. Tell me about the harvest that Jesus gave you. When he saw that miracle offering that day, when he, he saw you put in everything you had, all that you had to live in, when he saw that, tell me about the harvest that happened. It'll be fun to listen. Heaven's going to be full of great stories. Chapter 13, verse 1. As he came out of the temple, so now we have a change of venue, one of the disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And true, the temple, Herod's temple, and the temple courts were magnificent. Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? There will not be one left here, one stone upon another that will not be overthrown. As he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, all right, so if this, if this is the temple, this is the Kidron Valley, this is the Mount of Olives. So Jesus would have been sitting right here. You walk up to the city of Bethany. This is where Jesus spent the night. Jesus would have been sitting here looking back, and you can look straight in, straight into the temple. I mean, you can, you can, you have a full view of everything that was in the temple. Peter, James, and John, and Andrew ask him privately, "Tell us when will these things be, and what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished?" Now, what Jesus is talking about—not one stone left upon another. This is 70 A.D. In fact, when you go with us to Israel, we're going to take you through an underground tunnel coming out of the uh, ancient palace, King David's palace. We'll walk across the street. We'll go down through this huge excavation, go down about 100 feet underground, and we'll walk through this tunnel. Now, the tunnel is kind of funny. There's one section that's kind of thin, and I have to turn sideways and squeeze through. But everybody else seems to make it all right. I'm just too debunked. But when you get to the end of the tunnel, you come up a set of steel stairs and you're right there next to the edge of the old temple walls. And you'll see these massive stones in piles that is still from 70 AD when Rome did not leave one stone upon another. Jesus began to say to them, see that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. He said, so don't pay attention to everybody. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, don't be alarmed. These must take place, but the end is not yet. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginnings of the birth pains, he says. So it's not the end yet. And remember, he's writing this to Jews now, not the church. But be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to councils. 
and you will be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. The gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. Any church, any preacher that says that they are not called to preach the gospel, they're not called to evangelize, don't believe in them. The Great Commission is for everybody. The gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say what is ever given you that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver over brother to death, and the father his child, and children will rise up against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Now, brothers and sisters, he is teaching them both about the 70 AD. There's sometimes what we call mountaintop prophecy, where you hit the mountaintops and skip the valleys in between. He's teaching them about what's going to happen in 70 AD. He's teaching them about the persecution that's going to come against the church in Jerusalem. He's teaching them about, forgive me, the, the great tribulation period. All these things are going to be going on. Those who endure to the end will be saved. All right, we have one more passage in Proverbs to work on today. Proverbs chapter 12, beginning with verse 1. Can I read you the New Living Translation again? It, it's really good. The godly care for their animals, but the wicked are always cruel. Cruel. Watch how they treat animals. Watch how people treat dogs. <laughs> now, I'm a funny guy. I don't like people mistreating dogs. It shows they're wicked. It shows they're cruel. The godly care for their animals. Wow. So when people tell you, oh, you're just spoiling those dogs, or oh, I'm not a cat person, but oh, you're just spoiling those cats. The godly care for their animals. A Christian man cares for his catabao. A Christian man and woman care for their chickens and care for their pigs. But the wicked are always cruel. A hard worker has plenty of food. But a person who chases fantasies has no sense. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter what you do in life, whether you're a preacher whether you're a banker, whether you're a lawyer, whether you're a salesperson, this is true. A hard worker has plenty of food. But a person who chases fantasies, they've always got some new prophecy that God spoke to them. They have no sense. <laughs> no, I, I think that that's, that's, that's hysterical. English Standard Version says, who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. Oh. Thieves are jealous of each other's loots, but the godly are well-rooted and bear their own fruit. Wow. The godly are well-rooted and bear their own fruit. They don't have to take from somebody else. They don't have to go and steal from somebody else because they're well-rooted. 
and they bear their own fruit. The same is true in churches. The same is true in business. You know, a business that is well-rooted, a church that is well-rooted, they bear fruit. A business that is not well-rooted, fly by night. A church that is not well-rooted, fly by night. They have to go and steal fruit from others. The wicked are trapped by their own words, but the godly escape such trouble. I like that. Wise words bring many benefits, and hard work brings rewards. All right, wise words and hard works. Two great truths. Wise words bring. Hard work brings. Yeah. What do you want bringing something to your life? Wise words brings benefits. Hard work brings reward. We'll see you tonight, 7 o'clock sharp, as we get back to the book of Romans.